Hello, welcome to the Charles to be Champions podcast, <laughs> podcast brought to you by Pinnacle Esports. We're here to discuss with you the very best esports action from across the globe. Now, for the next few weeks, we'll be focusing on the Pinnacle Cup, the global CSGO event, which has seen 32 teams with some of the biggest names in esports compete for their share of over $100,000 to become to be kind of anointed the title of Pinnacle Cup champion. Let's get into it. I'm uh, Crabber 3, usually a cast and now a host. I've been joined by a man who's gone from books to bookies and then back to the books with Adam Booth. And of course, the man who went to the shouty match with the microphone, and rumor has it he won. Launders, how are you both feeling about this one? And yeah, I, I think about teams in Pinnacle at the moment. Well, hey man, uh, I'm glad to be on. Good to meet you guys. Just to, just to, just to set the stage uh, for the Pinnacle Cup, I think this is a really great time to have an event like this because coming off of Katowice, there's never been a stronger spotlight on on tier two, especially uh, in Europe. And uh, the the big question is, you know, with Gambit waiting um, at the end of the brackets, is it, how consistent are these teams going to be? And uh, also, what does it look like when we see some of these teams go back to their roots and play against some of the teams that prepared them to take on tier one teams? So that's that's kind of the big thing about the Pinnacle Cup for me that I think is the most interesting. Yeah, feeding off that, um, the timing it, it is sublime for, for an event like this, but, it, but I also love the... Uh, the, the fact that we've got teams that have just hit their kind of peak for the last couple of years um, that are engaged in, and sitting, waiting for the next group of up-and-comers uh, to, to, to challenge in, in that final uh, stage three there. Um, but but also the format. Um, I, I One of the, the key things that, uh, as better as we, we look for, is uh, uh, motivation and purpose in every, every match. And... Uh, having uh, you know 25 round robin meetings where half the teams are eliminated three quarters of the season isn't always the most enticing uh, but with the pinnacle cup something they brought to it is uh, every every match is either moving you through uh, progressing uh, or facing elimination so that was uh, right off the bat something I was very excited about I'm a huge fan of Swiss myself I I think that uh, over over the years, best of ones have been vilified and made to look like as, mm -hmm. as you know inconsistent or unreliable results. But if, over the years, at the same time, Valve has put forward changes to slowly make best of ones more and more reliable. And of course, a best of three is just a few best of ones in a row. All of these map results we do rely on as as individual results all the time. Um, some of these scores are close, but I think it's never been you know with the economy being so tight, like pistol rounds mattering less. Uh, maps being incredibly balanced. There's a lot of merit to these best of ones. And I think Swiss formats that fell out of favor because they were based on best of ones should now make a comeback. I think it's time for Swiss to make another comeback um, into bigger events. And, and I think for that, it's so fun to watch. I mean, it's so much variety every single day. You get to watch it at four or five different best of ones instead of, you know, maybe two best of three series or something like that between maybe with two matchups you aren't a really big fan of. I, I was curious if, if I would be the, the sole person uh, today uh, sort of uh, uh, in favor of the Swiss because I know so many community members were against it going back. And I think part of that, as you said, was best of one uh, relations and then also uh, it being with the uh, invested in the majors specifically. And uh, you just didn't want to see the teams luck out, I guess, with the draw of, of who they ended up facing. But I, I feel like no matter what format you go with, there's always going to be a bit of that um, randomness and teams are going to match up against other teams just a little bit more favorably. And you're going to say, 
they might not have deserved to be there if they played the other top three teams that uh, are are all uh, in the next stage. Um, but but cool. I, it's nice to hear someone else yeah. in favor of that, and uh, I, I, I I've been enjoying it this week as well. Yeah, you and me, Adam, are two people who think that uh, Swiss doesn't have as many holes in it as people think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and and especially like even even in that argument at the majors, when you looked at the quality of teams at at every stage, I mean, if you had a Swiss at Katowice, there's no easy path, no matter who, who you end up facing there. So, um, yeah, no, I, I would like to see it um, sprinkled in a little bit more. So I'm I'm glad that whoever designed this format sort of just said uh, stage two is the perfect place to put it. So the other voice that was quite interesting as well is when you do go into brackets, especially even ones with lower brackets, is a lot of the time you see what should be the finals played at the semifinals. Mm. Say by some team gets a really uh, fluke, I don't say fluke, but fluke win in a group stage, that's messes with their seeding and that then has a butterfly effect going into what will be upper lower brackets. You're, and then you're not a cloud nine denier, there. are you, Krem? I would never be a cloud nine denier. <laughs> okay, all right. Worry. Just want to make sure. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> we, we call we call quads two bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, right, right now, I think the kind of main team that springs to mind, at least, kind of, uh, kind of reaping the rewards. This was just Havu. They're on a, like a 16, 17 series win streak right now, and that's kind of off the merits of they've over because of a Swiss stage. You put a lot of attention into your veto, and Havu they've just ironclad their, their veto and they've just been incredible it mm. really has been a marvel to watch and i believe um right now there's only two teams that have progressed out of the swiss that being endpoint and havu and mm. i think havu they really weren't contested at all endpoint they fought a bit harder but you know both teams did really damn well yeah i think something they they have in common is that um you have at least two incredibly strong star players operating like at the same level simultaneously i mean there's a huge spotlight on x7 at the moment but uh ariel also looks like he's you know smurfing in tier two and these are two players who they could have fallen off the wagon a little bit and then lost motivation and then ended up on a lower tier team in in finland or in the world and then just you know progressively got worse or de more more and more demotivated but uh from what everything ariel said he said that the environment playing environment on habu is much better now uh, as we heard some rumors, of course, about what was going on with Ents, and uh, I guess the same can be said for X7, uh, because they not only look good for the level, they look good even compared to how they looked on Ents, which is which is very impressive. Yeah. You see why they were picked up on Ents, and it's crazy to see how um, incredibly consistent they are right now, because it's also not a small feat uh, uh, to be consistent at the Tier 2 at the moment. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of Tier 1 teams, Top 10 teams, that if they got thrown back into the qualifiers or had to go through a lot of events like this, um, where they needed to play these events for like to make their you know regular amount of money and don't get invites to big yeah. major circuits, they would consistently lose. I think they would they would Absolutely. have to learn again. They would probably Absolutely. lose a lot. Yeah, I mean, this is why I've always liked the the multiple rounds of major qualification. You know, seeing uh, I know a lot of Swedish fans won't like what I'm saying, but seeing an, an NIP, you know, a couple of years back having to fight for their lives against teams you've never heard of, and and being on the brink for for entire matches and going to double overtime to see if they can just make it to the qualifying stage or the the uh, contender stage or whatever it's called now. Um, I love seeing um, that ruthlessness from a much wider um, breadth of, of competition and the pinnacle cup you know that they had a huge what 32 teams um in in contention for this 
Um, go, going to have though specifically, they're they're playing with a chip on their shoulder right now. That it absolutely looks like they. I mean, I was watching um, X7, you know, uh, spamming the dead bodies in like the last five matches relentlessly. Love seeing it right now. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but they're playing ants as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I'm gonna have to go back and watch the, the bot obviously because if I if I watch it now, I won't be paying attention to anything the other uh, you guys are saying. But uh, no, they, that team has absolutely stood out for me. Um, you know, the, the um, perfect uh, series streak they're on, winning 80 percent of their maps. Their worst, and it's a six map pool too. Their their only ban is uh, is Vertigo. Um, so I I've been supremely impressed with them. But I, I completely agree with what Mohan's saying that. If a lot of the teams that we sort of see um, continuously invited to every um, big money event, uh, uh, you know, 90% of them, if they had to get back in the grind and go through qualifiers, uh, we, I think we'd see a lot more turnover within the scene. Absolutely. And also the highlight as well, actually, is right now, Havu, they are considerably higher rated than Ents, at least in HRTV ranking. Yeah, Ents, who mm. have been a bit quiet recently, they've had a few kind of lackluster results, and they're now 39th in the world. Yeah, Havu, they've skyrocketed. Like, this graph right now looks like the start of a mountain from where yeah. they just shot straight up, and, you know, I think they're 27th now. I'm fully expecting that to go up even higher, you know, come the new update, mm. or come the new updated rankings, and Reality is, I think Havu are starting to only start to hit their form rather than kind of be in their kind of glory zone. Yeah, I, I think um, um, just a primary difference that between uh, some of these teams, um, some of the CIS teams and some of the teams here are that uh, the, the quality of opponents, I think, Havu appears to be at the mm-hmm. top of the stack at the moment, but it wins over Copenhagen Flames, uh, a win over Windstrike, win over Endpoint. These are probably the three strongest wins that they've had. Even though I think Sprout maybe or something like that is the highest rated to opponent they played against, I think quality of teams like Copenhagen fames on that super upward trend, win strike with uh, Elian and, and Endpoint as well. I think those are the, the huge wins, but these are the strongest, strongest wins. What we don't know is how many uh, tier one opponents they play in, in scrims. Uh, that actually plays a huge factor. Like with Gambit, way, you know, leading up to Cato, they played everybody in that playoff bracket a number of times in practice before they played um, an actual match versus them. So some of the teams themselves were already, you know, afraid of, of Gambit before the match started. And, uh, and some of the players had some confidence going into the match that we weren't aware of. Um, okay. And I think that uh, for Havu, there is still the question mark of when we up the, the quality of opponents, like, are they still going to be able to bang out like a, a win streak at this level in the same way that like Gambit could? To that point, it was it was interesting watching um, the what's called Snow Sweet Snow right now, Home Sweet Home. I think it was last year. Um, Gambit was Gambit and Big uh, were like the two. Um, well, Big we knew their pedigree prior, but mm-hmm. um, Gambit was the other team that week after week it was like another two zero, another two zero. What's you know what's the point of these teams even entering because they're just getting uh, if they come up against Gambit they they have no hope kind of thing mm-hmm. um, and it, but it wasn't until the I think end of August when they went from Gambit youngsters to Gambit um, where we got to see them on um, a, a tier one stage um, and I think they played Astralis the first time and they I think they got two zero the first time um, but we saw improvement over that fall period leading up to what, what we saw coming into Katowice. So you're absolutely right. The the question mark around Havu, you know, this beautiful 15-match win streak, 
looks dominant, looks clean, um, but we still have a lot to see and, and, and until they get to uh, face the gap. I mean, it's funny that we're now using Gambit as the <laughs> um, sort of uh, standard of, you know, where, where Havu would rank, um, but uh, I, I look forward to, to, to seeing that one, hopefully. Yeah, they had, so I think it was a, the DreamHack Masters, so I got to cast the Gambit, like, okay. uh, the Grand Gambit Tier 1 events, so, like, finally facing off. They beat Cloud9 2.0, they beat Complexity yeah, 2.0, and then Config right. tweeted out, he, he just tweeted out shredded, I think, after they lost the Gambit. <laughs> they got absolutely mauled. Um, yeah, they were... Um, they, they, That's yeah, right. They, yeah. they got destroyed. They got like seven rounds or eight rounds over and two maps or something. And then everyone thought that they were going to be able to beat Astralis. And that was fair. I mean, they were they looked super strong. And then that's when yeah. he learned that they actually played against Astralis. I think I asked Naphne in the interview, and he's like, yeah, we played against Astralis. We thought we could beat them. Uh, but when they when the match went live, they got a bit nervous. So I think the only thing was okay. the game plans are, are looking really really good at this level. And the main difference there's going to be a, a there's going to be some growing pains when they consistently play against the top teams. But what's also funny for Gambit is that when they go back down to tier two, and that now they've like earned some kind of reputation, but they also become like a highly uh, even more highly studied team, and then they have to go back to tier yeah. two and have this system that everyone's trying to copy because that they know that works now versus tier one. Then they become yeah. like the Astralis of tier two, and everybody's coming for their head. And then they got yeah. they they ended up being one of the teams that lost, right? They, I think they lost to uh, Copenhagen Flames at the um, in the uh, Snow Seats Sweet Snow uh, event recently, yeah. right? Yeah, and and sometimes you know, like um, we were talking about, there there's that post. You've hit your career high, you know, with a Katowice win, um, you know, other than Hobbit, I, I guess is what I'm saying. And your next match is um, you don't have that high, that uh, anticipation. It's a little bit of a, a championship hangover, I guess, if you will. Mm. Um, but I don't expect it to linger, I guess, is, is what I'm saying in this case. Is I, I They did get that, that loss to Copenhagen Flames, who is another team that, you know, every bit is motivated and every bit is... Um, uh, I guess one to watch the Astralis of Denmark, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So that I think is quite interesting, and I think um, it's be a bit of a uh, topic for debate. What sort of teams do you have to start beating in order for you to be proven at tier one? Uh, what is the lowest team in tier one for a tier two team to beat to be considered a team one, and in order for them to yeah be respected as a tier one team? Is it, you know, they have to go right the way to the top and play, you know, the likes of you know, Heroic, Navi, Astralis, or Gambit in this case as well? Or yeah. is it some, somewhere a bit closer, a bit lower down, like, for instance, uh, NIP, Team 1, you know, that sort of stuff? So in the, in the, the thing is that the Tier 1, so there's just like a, a protected tribe there at the very top, like Navi and Astralis, like almost, like Navi once in a while, they have to go up against Tier, like they have to go up against the IS teams and like their events mm. or whatever. Astralis never play against anybody, like not of like absolute pristine quality or whatever. Um, and so, and then like, you know, Virtus Prone Gambit might not be fair because they play against them too much. So I really think the gatekeepers are actually big in complexity who have actually entered into some of these events a lot. In fact, like um, Complexity, I think, made a ton of money last year um, entering into these uh, kind of like tier 200K events um, over the course of the year. And Big also feel like I think they've got. Um, not an inferiority complex, but they haven't quite proven themselves to be like 100% top tier all the time. I think over the mm -hmm. course of the last year, they're like, yes, top teams are probably very afraid of them, but they themselves can be even disappointed in some of their recent results. Um, and I, you know, I, I tweeted out like two weeks ago, like I'm never going to sleep on big again. 
like obviously bad timing for me. I should have just waited a couple extra weeks <laughs> and then I could have been, you know, continuing to sleep on big and be, you know, have a great night's sleep as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so who knows when they'll actually get to that level, but they, they will be a testing ground, I think for a lot of these teams. No, I, funny enough, I, I completely agree with putting big in there, um, complexity as well, but I, I do feel like the ceiling for complexity is a little bit higher. Um, I, you know, with the oboe thing that kind of set them back, but I, I do think they could linger in the top five, um, a little bit more. Um, I would also add to that, um, an OG or a fun plus Phoenix, which, you know, previously God sent, those are like the three European sides that like they've got the championship pedigree probably like once or twice in their whole careers. Um, but they kind of have to, they're, they're the team that is going to hold you accountable if you don't come to play. Um, but they're not likely to be contenders tournament after tournament. And, and I think that's why we see them that way. Funny enough, big was the one team in 2020 for the pinnacle power ranks that um, was in all of my, they, they qualified for all of my um, iterations of it. So um, what, what I was doing was assessing just on month, monthly blocks. There was no uh, prior rank coming into it. And Big continuously was like 7th to 10th in that ranking. So I, I definitely think as far as gatekeepers to the Tier 1 echelon um, meeting, just sub-Navi Astralis, you're, you're looking at the Big Clan boys uh, con consistently. What I was going to say was put... Put say I mean two teams that have qualified out of um so so two so far sorry pinnacle uh, cup so far have been Havu and Endpoint. Put them into a match straight up say tomorrow against the likes of Complexity, Big, Fabulous Phoenix. Who who do you think wins? Do you think the tier two actually have a chance, or do you think that there's still a massive gap between tier two and tier one? You know I don't think they would have la like terrible odds uh, versus a lot of these teams. I think that it would only be fair to can still consider them underdogs because they're. I really, I really believe that the only, the only difference at, at some point with the, these teams, especially since you know, the like endpoint or hover are going to come in way more prepared than any team they play against. Um, at that's going that they're, when they're trying to punch upwards. I think the main difference is going to be how confident, how how uh, what their ability is going to be in making a comeback happen if they need to, and also like the confidence in general of like winning the match. I mean, sometimes you you go into a match that you think you're supposed to lose. You're very unlikely to win that match right away just because of that reason. So it'll take a couple of um, rounds of sparring before you can like actually pull out the win. So if you go if they go into match tomorrow, I, I'm I, I feel like you know Endpoint or Havu could have their streak broken by a, a, quite a few teams in the top ten. I don't think they would just be handed a win, but um, you know with their confidence, I think you know may I mean maybe you know Vitality might be weak enough right now, like in a weird spot where they could like drop some random match, but. Even that, I think, would be a kind of unlikely. I don't know where you stand, um, Adam. I I think Havu and Endpoint are not created the same here. So even though they're, they're the 2-3-0 teams, I would not put them in the same category or pricing for an upset. Um, Havu, I, I would say, like, if, if you're facing your um, your big clan through, like, heroic, uh, mouse sports fanatic, I could see you pricing them at, like, a... 28 to 35 percent here to, for, for an upset and and i i would be on havu in that case um with endpoint i think you're looking at sub 25 you're looking at you know 18 20 percent here uh for any of those same teams so you're, you're essentially saying like a five to one uh, underdog um and I, I think you'll see that if endpoint do come up against even gambit i think you're going to see a four to one type pricing um and, and that's because, you know, um, 
if, if you look at, I don't know, endpoints is a tricky one. First of all, I mean, I live in England and I, I know a lot of the talent, the casters, all that stuff that there's a lot of, uh, you know, the good old days of UKCS and stuff. And, and, and so with endpoint, there's a belief that they've just the been hope. missing like the one or yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've just been missing like the, the one, one so superstar the that they needed. Yeah, sorry, crap. Um, they're missing the one superstar that they, they maybe needed to break into like a top 10. Uh, but I, I've, been watching them for various iterations of that roster um and i think when it was um epsilon part of them were epsilon before that um i think smoothie was on them for a bit and it it just seems like they've just kind of missed the stride as far as breaking into um upsets and stuff like that i I don't think they've played really any top five teams in last year and that's just because they don't progress far enough there's too too much talent yeah i think they've also got they've got three problems so i think one Mm -hmm. is um, the fact that Mighty Max is not a high fragging IGL, but not like not a you know not Kerrigan in terms of how smart he is, right? So mm-hmm. he, he pretty much I think his stats do weigh a little bit heavier on the team than some other IGLs who play similarly yeah. to him. Um, and then that when it comes to you know performing these upsets, and then the other the other two question marks for me are crucial and surreal because I think that they're really good players, but they're really streaky as well. And right now yeah. the reason they're three O's because crucial and surreal are like doing huge work now i think Surgeon, flames is yeah. flames is my like you know moonshot pick for this year in terms of how much his stock will rise because i i feel like okay. he's got the makings of like a, a, to be an actual superstar um in this game really? partly oh. because of the consistency partly because of like he looks like a tenured player when you watch him on t side he knows how to like take map control apply pressure any all of these things without it, it feels like i can't believe i can't, actually can't believe how much he knows and i don't know who taught him basically when i watch him play on t side it reminds me of watching when i watched degster play um early on as well just how much confidence he has and how 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 aware he is of the fact of, of the in, these intangibles when he's all alone and has to like you know make sure a spot is taken care of or make sure his opponent is terrified at all times he really understands to do that how to do that in a way that i think would be very hard to teach somebody cool. so i have high hopes for um for flames but um Crucial got- is an opper that's been around the block, and he he is he's shown a really high level, but too too streaky to be reliable. So it's it's hard to say if they'll keep it up. But him and uh, Surreal are two players who have to show us they can be consistent before we can believe it, because we haven't seen it yet. What do you think about them sort of consistently being that like farm team that we've seen? We used to see heroic be for like the Danish scene, where it just seems like like they have had some real good talent come through that roster with crucial and surreal right and do you think that is going to continue you think that like have you heard uh you know with your insider connections is are these guys committed to to staying the the, the route together or? i i think that they i think they're like okay I, I guess the best like there's the the na version of endpoint is triumph probably where you have you know mm, mighty max yeah. shake zula and uh, every right. everybody he makes good at cs just ends up getting poached and it feels like at this point, the scene is too developed to be able to hold a, to hold a roster together when Endpoint, um, I think they're very aware of their position. And it's just hard to go from Orc to Super Orc at this point. So Endpoint have the problem of like, we have the opportunity to build up a player and then sell sell them for like a lot of money to uh, a yeah. top Org. And I think that's what they think of when they look at Flames. And I think Mighty yeah. Max is you know just hoping that that doesn't happen, but yeah. um, I think ultimately they're like, in some sense, their fate, fate is probably sealed in that way. I really hate yeah. that because I wish yeah. even Triumph stayed together with 
I don't like all the talents to go into one place. I think it's bad for the overall scene in Europe mm-hmm. and NA. I'd rather have uh, Triumph have Grim. Curry would have stayed in, in NA or would have stayed in CS if uh, Triumph had stayed together. And you would have Junior on that team as well. Then Henny maybe mm-hmm. stays on Furia. You've got more talent across the board. Um, and Endpoint feel like, uh, yeah, they're, they're just like the, um, the nest. The nest um, and, and well- Muddy Max is the hen. Maybe maybe they'll get a Pinnacle Cup win and that'll give the org the right, boost yeah. they have to give them all bonuses. And, there we go. Yeah. They, did Thomas, <laughs> uh, they got Thomas, you know, kind of brought him out and he went to Envy, I believe. And yeah. um, I imagine that must yeah. have been yeah, a great Tough. kind of economic plus for Endpoint. But in terms of what it is to the team, it took him a while to kind that of recover. Didn't they? Would you yeah. be happy to be Thomas? Okay, because I, you collected what, a big check. Okay, but oh, you, you collected a big check. You went to die, though. <laughs> you went to die. That's the thing. You So you got yeah. paid, like, a lot of money for not playing a lot for, like, a year, year and a half or something. But your career just took a dump. I mean, un- unfortunately, you know, someone took a dump on your career, basically, yeah. and put you in that yeah. spot. So would you would you take it? Would you take, like, a year of salary to basically do nothing and now have to work your way back into top-level CS? Yeah, he was already on a semi-decent salary at endpoints, so... I suspect that okay. probably not in the sense that it's not like he's not making anything. You know? If he was on a team without a salary, I can understand it, but he's still making stuff and he's still improving when he was on mm-hmm. that point. So I, I personally wouldn't. I don't think I would either. He was actually the real deal, wasn't he? He was. He's, he was. Yeah. I don't want to say was. Sorry, he's not dead, but he, you know, he, <laughs> yeah, he's really good. I don't know if he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he can fill in for Flames when someone buys Flames from Endpoint. Rips Flames, <laughs> rips flames from Endpoint. Yeah. Where do you think Flames goes if he does go out of Endpoint? I, I look at Flames as like a young uh, Stewie 2K. I think right now, Stewie 2K, he's gone through a little bit too much to be the same player that he used to be. But yeah. um, I think uh, I think Flames has that that incredible confidence and um, like that, that right attitude and like the right amount of fire to uh, fill in as a player, like a really strong entry fragger. And you know, who knows where his career would take him? I actually didn't realize Dexter would end up opping um, so full time on this new lineup and is doing obviously really well. Uh, I I don't know. Sometimes when I look at players to fill in, like I'll look at like where Kenny S can go, and then I'll go through uh, the list of like the top twenty teams, and I'm like, there's literally nowhere he can go. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, hard yeah. to say sometimes where you can actually fit a player in. Um, but at least as a rifler and entry fragger, there might be an opportunity like let's say big have some bad results there's a chance that they might open up to the idea of having someone like uh flames come in because they're already open to an international lineup they might see someone as being a little bit too inconsistent maybe they just feel like they can't actually hang with their talent at the tier one consistently um and there might be a spot there for them uh i think complexity are another team i don't think that roster change will happen because they've got a really good thing going but that's uh, Mm -hmm. another potential where they've got an international lineup they have been open to roster changes in the past. The and um, you know they took a chance on Obo, for example. So there's a chance that they they might be open to that. Cloud Nine, maybe. Cloud Nine is another one, actually. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, they probably, unfortunately, it had to probably be someone like Amezi. Wait, when I look at yeah. Cloud Nine, I'm like, there's no one I want to cut, <laughs> but you know, but it's like something does not uh, exactly fit. Yeah, something yeah. else as well on the topic of teams that are. Kind of done pretty well recently. As I was out, we're going to kind of fade it out a little bit. We're going to talk about Dignitas, who kind of came into this lineup at the end of this uh, tournament, thinking I, I would have rated them on paper at least one of the better teams in the Swiss stage. And mm. uh, I, I actually cast their debut game um, 
and we had a we saw their Twitter hour before the game against W it was against Tavu. They bench Harry, Bria Lecro, and with an yeah. hour warning, <laughs> they then go into their first match. Uh, and Lecro, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> But then Le- it wasn't Lecro's fault, was it? They actually didn't no, he play did really well, incredibly actually. well across the all the matches they played. Yeah, it got two out, and he did really well on map one. Yeah, which I think when it's supposed when you have a when you get a new player in, you learn one map really really quickly. You then have that one that you can use as a basis, and then you slowly progress to your map pool, especially when you don't have much time. I think with Lecro, they did that with Dust too. Where they just mm. got him on Dust, taught him how to play, told him what he wants to do in a team. He goes on Dust, yeah shines so brightly he played amazingly mm. then goes to nuke which is a bit of a harder map to learn and of course yeah didn't quite have the perfection on it that have did who of course were on fire at the time and um they just stagnated loads and i uh, know i just wasn't expecting dick to go one and three in the swiss stage yeah they also had the four it looks like four ot games and three of those games were losses mm. of the uh four series that they played so yeah the havu games you know both going to ot and losing that's tough. Um, and that can be a matter of resilience and also just awkwardness with having like a last minute roster change that can happen as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that sense, that was the, that was their opportunity. They could have taken out Havu, which would have been one of the harder uh, opponents, yeah. of course. And then they would have had a much easier time moving forward. So for me, this, the whole frustration of this roster is the weakness on CT side. They have going back to flashpoint season one, um, this team has looked very uh, anemic on so many maps CT side, including Nuke, for instance, Train, very typically traditional CT sides, um, CT leaning, I should say. Um, and now you've got, you're bringing in Lecro, who's a proven, you know, he's done, he's been in a number of roles. Um, but why, why are you not dropping a Freiburg here is, was my question. And I love the Legends. I'm one of the old guys, you know, like I, I find myself every conversation I have with CSGO betters, I'm, I'm typically five to 10 years older than them. Uh, so I, I have respect for the, the legends. Um, but in my opinion, this roster is not going anywhere when you've got two guys who are over the hill. Um, it, it's one thing to have one of the legends, one of the names, one of the, you know, if you're trying to promote the brand, it's really good to have them. But having them both, it's not an easy topic to discuss. But uh, so let me give you an example. I was on Dignitas today uh, against um, Windstrike. It's they've won the second map uh, pistol, the opening pistol. The CT side setup for holding long A uh, is one guy at car with an AUG um, and one guy at Goose with an MP9. The guy at Goose peeks out to fight the two scouts with the mp9 before the aug has contact as they push towards you know ninja around the l band i don't know why there was no flash there was no he wasn't molotoved out of it and he is dry peeking the long i you know it, it just it it made no logical sense to me um and th- there's just there's flaws in their gameplay on ct side that yeah maybe because they now have a new player they still have some kinks to work out um but it, that for me has been the, you know, they went on a nice little stretch here um, a little bit earlier this year. But for me, the, the the weakness on their CT sides stems from poor team play, maybe poor amount of firepower. I'm not sure what it is, but that's it's on a number of maps and it looks very, very bad yeah, for, for the caliber that they are. I don't think you need to sugarcoat it at all. You know, I think your, your point about Freiburg is just that he's just not good enough. And uh, 
he's not performing well enough. And um, I, I think the difference is that like Forrest has always been a better player than Freiburg and like consider like considerably more consistent across his career. It's never really been um, any question marks about him. And as you mentioned, like maybe, you know, Forrest isn't going to be a top 20 player for like any more in his career, but he's still going to be um, super valuable and can be relevant on a, on a top team. You know, I could see him totally fitting in. Yes. If the right lineup came around and 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 Swedish CS was stronger, then you know you might see him as like uh, if he could be as consistent as RPK, which I think he could easily pull off, then he could be yes. on a team as good yes. as Vitality if there was enough Swedish uh, Swedish talent around him. Uh, Freiburg would not be able to and is right now not performing well enough at all. Um, so I think that that makes perfect sense. I personally don't rate Dignitas at all from a team play perspective. When I, I, I don't know how good they are now, but their flashpoint games that that you're talking about, like I thought they were just completely lost like in terms of game plan I, I i think i watched one of their demos on vertigo um also on the ct side where it just felt like they were just unaware of when fights would happen and they just looked yeah. totally out of sync and like and just none, <laughs> none of them could win duels they just didn't have enough firepower to win duels yeah i don't want to get too too negative but but you, you did bring up does crap that that wasn't something that i promised myself i wasn't going to rant about on this one um but um i was not looking at them as a team to i it's not that i didn't see them progressing but um when when we we entered this this uh discussion today we're talking about how deep this group of 16 teams is dignitas is not one that i identified as a clear cut through to the next drops mm. on the topic of getting a older talent and putting them amongst newer talent and the idea being so that sort of maybe forest can do where it kind of develops that newer talent around them i think sinners they've done that pretty damn well you know uh, oscar he's kind of stepped down from top tier cs down into sinners and yeah, I think they've been doing pretty damn well recently. I think they're currently still in the top 30. Uh, yeah, ranked 26. So they've definitely had a pretty good job. I believe they're currently one, no, two and one right now at this stage. So they're probably going to be getting through. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's Oscar is making it look like he's back on mouse boards and like it's uh like it's it's consistent. He's he's consistently carrying um in some of their big matches. Godsent and I think Extremum were two matches where he had like um yeah. like absolutely insane KDs. Like I think. Yeah, he was the 1.45 rating across three maps against this Extremum, and uh, I think we had a really insane game versus um, Godsend, if I'm not mistaken. Was that the team that he really... Oh, yeah, it was Godsend, yeah, the 2-0 here, where he had a uh, 1.74 rating across two maps, and I think mm -hmm. Inferno, uh, Inferno Vertigo, 24-7 and on Vertigo, and cool. with a 1.92, and uh, to follow that, 22-9 and on the second map. He... He, yeah, he's been um, insane. He's 29 years old, by the way, but uh, he's also averaging 29 kills a match. So um, I can't wait to see how you know how how he get, continues to be consistent, no matter how old he gets. Yeah, I I've been watching this uh, this team for just I guess I mean they're they're like a, another one of these um, static uh, European teams that are con consistently in the home sweet home and the nine to five events and. Um, it's, it's just a question when they like have it, when do they get their shot to sort of see what they can do against a higher level opponent um, where maybe we see them actually even better than they're looking now. It, it, when, when you play so many online matches, um, I, I think there's uh, AGO beats them one week or Flames beat them one week, then they do it to them the, the week after. It, it, we don't really get a sense of who amongst these teams is going to, to raise the bar. And, and so, yeah, Oscar, Oscar's been great. I think being on an entirely Czech lineup 
is um, I, I'm very much for that as a general. Cool, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm interested that, to see what, what comes of, of that roster. Yeah. Do you, do you rate this team though? Like they're like, they look a little bit messy to me. Like I, I think very top heavy, yeah. a little bit messy. Um, I'm huge on Oscar. I think it's awesome. It's not easy to just create an environment where a player can like take that much space and also play that well. But, uh, as a team, it's not like I, I can't see them like winning this event, for example. No, that yeah. that's right. And, and like, so if you look at their composition, maybe you say, okay, they're like a gambit in that they've got an old vet who's been there, done that, and he he's more stable emotionally now, or and and he can you know share some some insight. Uh, but I, I don't see the the younger pool of talent, even like a neofrag who's been supreme. And and every time I'm posting his projections on on our site, he's always like at that forty and a half um, uh, projection mark. Uh, but but even for him, um, I don't see him as being the a Dexter or, a, 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 you know, a, an Ilian who can sort of consistently put up a, a, a 0.8 um, uh, KPR. So, yeah, it's nice to see the the, the, the little surge here and there, but but I I, I don't have them circled. Uh, yeah, they have to add Lord as well. There's, there's another team I want to talk about as well. Um, okay. Actually, two teams, but they kind of fall under the same um, category, and that's uh, Brazilian teams coming to Europe's playing these. Team 1 and Godsend. Now... I think I've cast, I know I've cast two of uh, Godzilla's three games. And I think I've cast all three of Team One's games. And I think the word inconsistent doesn't even come close to scraping <laughs> how 50 50 watching them play is. Like, it's just, you know, when you see the right pieces there, like you see the flair from you know, these newer talent who just have a round where they run out and play the round like it's a point and click adventure game. And then you have other rounds where it's almost as if they're playing against one another. And I just don't know how to describe it. It truly is just weird to see such a team that can be so good, but have so much mess at the same time. Yeah. It's really, really hard to describe. Yeah. It kind of feels like MIBR for like that last year in a, in a way yeah. where like they, they could, they could play a match and call, you know, an incredibly detailed CT side that looks super tricky and hard to yeah. read. And then they'll pull it off and then look totally despondent in the second half where like seem to have yeah. run out of ideas totally. Um, I think for a couple of reasons, probably number one, it's new lineups that are trying to yeah. get practice in a tough region and are also bringing a style of CS without the same level of leadership that they used to have. Um, mm -hmm. Like a style of CS that like the Brazilian style of CS with the same leadership. So they've got some of the pieces. So there's going to be personality flaws. And, and I, I don't think at this new, any of the uh, new crop of Brazilian lineups that have come up are, are honestly, even pound for pound as strong as that, like that brief flash in the pen, MIBR lineup with uh, KNG, Leo, uh, TRK, mm -hmm. who really came up huge. I, th I don't think that uh, uh, th these two teams are going to be able to uh, fill in or you know overcome those results or even become as good as that lineup could have become. I'm not exactly mm -hmm. sure what went wrong there, but I had a huge, huge faith in that. And I feel like KNG especially is a big part of it. Um, and I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to fill in that gaps. Like maybe Phelps and Taco can bring some experience, but there's too many players to develop, I think, all at the same time outside of yeah. that. Um, and, you know, even like, you know, looking at Mobs, for example, who is 
one of the hopes there for for team one. He had a great year in 2020, you know, versus the NA teams. And that's great to see. You just got to have, that's his foundation. That's where he played. And in his matches, he did well. But his stats have taken a hit um, playing in some of these recent matches. And that has to be brought up, of course. Um, it's it's uh, he, as a focus of the match, he's going to be responsible for some of their big wins and losses. For me, the, these two teams, they're slumping. I, I don't know if it's being over here for too long. I, I, I don't actually know how long they've, they've been over here. But um, do, do you know, Mohan, uh, when they came over? Uh, probably was, like a month and a half. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But but ent- so so if we want to use the um, you know the the experts over at the, the pinnacle uh, on the trading side, they priced um, Godsent at, you know, 75, 80% um, their first match this year uh, playing against the Lingby Vikings. They got 2 owed by the Lingby Vikings. Okay. Entering the pinnacle cup, uh, Godsent was priced again in that 70, 75% range uh, against team one. Um, they got the two zero there, but, if you look at where they are tomorrow, uh, Godsend is an underdog against Copenhagen Flames uh, to about 45% or 47%, somewhere in there. And so you look at sliding, falling stock on teams, this is your evidence of that. Today, I mean, right now, Team 1 is playing Apex, um, which is Apex is the Swedish remnants. You know, they've got Dennis from uh, Old Fanatic. They've got the the twins, Relax and Freddy Frog. Online... Dgen betters will know these guys quite well, uh, but they've they've never with Red Reserve. I think they won a, a dream hack, you know, three years ago. Um, but but really, these are not Apex is not a team that should be seventy five percent against a Team One. They should maybe be fifty five percent. So for me, Team One and Godsend have just been that this whole online period in twenty twenty one has not been good to them. If if it's a motivation issue, if it's a roster issue, um, I'm not sure, but you know, and, and I'm on Team One at the moment, watching them struggle on uh, on on Dust Two. But the point is that their price, their performance is is not um, even um, making up for their mm. their very low price. Even even as a, in a buy low situation is how I see them tomorrow and today. They're still underperforming even that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see inconsistent at best. They probably will pull out a couple of. You know, when they're probably extremely motivated. I mean, I put it frankly, okay. like if I was godsent, I wouldn't have picked this lineup. I I think that uh, it's it was a huge risk, but they get a ton of brand power having picked up a, a Brazilian lineup just because, you know, huge That's fan true. base and tacos just bringing over huge numbers. So and and I think, you know, for the players, they don't want this to this opportunity to to pass without like them having to be able to yeah. do something. But this could be one of the last teams that we see Taco or Phelps play on. Right. Um, the rest of them probably could potentially learn from this and move on. But, um, you know, those two really have, I think, a lot to prove. So for that reason, I think, you know, maybe see a couple of strong upsets, but uh, I, I guess without really fast development uh, or like some kind of um, improvement in terms of the leadership, I don't know if the consistency will be there. The talent is just not that sick. And I know there's a lot of like outside of the CIS, the Brazilian region is you know probably as strong or maybe even stronger for all we know. Like we don't know how many players are going to come out of there, but uh, they, they but uh like how long before we see, you know, who, who is the next fallen and like, who, like, who's the next fallen, who's the next whole SK, right? Who's the next F and X, who is yeah. the next, um, uh, who is the next fur? I mean, these are important questions because you can have a huge reason, but you've got to have 
at least one super strong lineup at this point coming out um, to, to be able to keep up with those individual levels. I don't see anything like so, that right now. Assuming Team One uh, departs shortly here, um, their next two matches for ESL Pro League are uh, Furia and MIBR next week. <laughs> so, nice. uh, yeah, oh boy. yeah. Probably just... both the upsets. They'll probably smoke you. <laughs> exactly. After <laughs> everything we've just talked about. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're saving their strats for that. Um, we've um, looked at a fair few teams, but I'll tell you what, while we are waiting for this uh, Team One Apex game to kind of progress, it looks like it is looking fairly Apex oriented. But let's hit your guys' predictions. Yeah, we've got two teams that have progressed out to the stage. There's six more left to do so. Who do you think it's going to be? Yeah. At the moment, we've got the likes of Namiga versus Krakow, Covering on Flames. There's Saw, Extreme, and Windstrike. And of course, the teams playing at the moment. It's a fairly diverse range. But which six do you think are going through? Uh, probably answer when you're ready because you have to take a moment to think about this. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you, you probably have you probably have some kind of answer already. I, I don't know if I could. Sure, sure I can. I can go ahead. Um, uh, so, Windstrike, I think, is going to get that three-two. Um, yeah. I also think Copenhagen Flames. You know, they they have moments where their T side goes a little bit missing, or they um, kind of throw away a large lead. We've seen that a little bit um, recently, uh, but I do think they have the the balance and the, t- the map pull to still get through. Um, Wizla Krakow. Uh, I, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I've never actually seen that name. Wizla, okay. Wizla, yeah, okay. Um, Polish team. That, in, in my opinion, uh, they will get it done. Uh, I've been ple- very pleasantly surprised by Hades um, through the event, through yeah. watching him for a little. I, I think he's a, um, a diamond in the rough, potentially. I, I don't know if... The, I, I would hate to see the, the Polish... Uh, uh, region get divided and further um, moved around. There's been a lot of shuffling, um, but I do think there's a, quite a few players in the making for a, a super Polish team once more. Um, and Hades would be on my my personal choice for that that team. Um, so I do think they'll get through. And uh, Namiga, I think those four, I I, I really like to to go through, but uh, we'll see. Outside of that, yeah, I, I think okay, Namiga does. I mean, Namiga have not an easy match, but maybe one of the easier for this uh, for the for this next game. So I think uh, maybe slightly unlikely, but I think I would take Namiga, Copenhagen Flames, uh, Godsend. I guess they've got two chances to play, which just makes this a, a little bit dif- more difficult to say that they won't be able to get out. Um, but Extreme I'm already a match ahead. I think. I think Windstrike for sure. I just think Windstrike are a great team. I I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna. It's just hard. Some of their games are gonna be hard, but I think they're just, in my opinion, like they're my next favorite team outside of Endpoint and Havu and Copenhagen Flames. I guess in this in this whole thing, like I I think they're actually a really strong team. I watched their game versus Cloud Nine. And I was like, they just look like a better team than Cloud Nine, um, which yeah. is hard to hard to admit, but uh, they actually look yeah, very were- good. I thought it was funny. They lost. Yeah, they had a morning match in the Pinnacle Cup, I believe, against. Uh, who is it? They lost it. They got O2'd uh, against Namigas. Yeah, it was Namiga. And then, yeah, that afternoon they were playing Cloud9. And I saw the odds move heavily towards Cloud9's side after that, which is so common. And then, of course, that's the one they come out. Uh, and and uh, I think it moved to a pick so like a 50-50. I, don't, I think prior to that, um, that loss in the morning, they, they were actually favored against Cloud9 slightly. Um, but we, we saw, you know, people being like, well, maybe C9 is going to get, and then nope, 
The win no. strike, you're absolutely right. They <laughs> no. were the better team, uh, uh, resoundingly. It's interesting. Yeah, personally, pretty much inclined to agree with you is that I think Saw are going to do quite well, which is okay. kind of Portuguese team that okay. have come out of the uh, woodwork recently. And I think that there hasn't really been much opportunity for kind of that Liberia region, sort of domestic region. And um, so, so, so that's the first time I've seen a Liberia like region have its own qualifier. First time I've seen that. And so I think that they've actually had a pretty good chance to come ahead. And now that they've been given that kind of injection of practice and play at a high level, uh, they're actually looking really damn strong. Really damn strong. And of course, they're playing with a six-man lineup as well. And they've been using it fairly well for the most part. They have been bringing uh, Salsworth, I think that's how you say it, for um, a lot of these maps. And while he hasn't played as much as yeah, his teammates, he's definitely put up the numbers. And I'm pretty impressed with them at the moment. So I think they're going to go through. That's the only one I would add to the ones you've already said. Uh, it's good to be a Saw fan. They, they've got a strong fan base as well. I'd be very happy to hear you say that. Yeah, uh, we, saw the, and, we saw the one that uh, got the bus from Portugal to yeah, uh, to blast. Was that the? Yeah, yeah that I, I yeah, that, that, that was a cool, cool event. Cool. Uh, so that I think that was event. was that I think it was um so it was Giants that brought the oh the, that's so right. saw were yeah, also there saw were also okay, that's there right. but what happened was they were over in Portugal and then we were at blast uh, Madrid. Yeah, Madrid. Yeah, this wasn't Lisbon. Yeah, we were in Blast Madrid. And then they, yeah, they had, um, it was, uh, it was like Fox and like all of Fox's yeah, right. fans, basically. <laughs> they put them all on a bus and drove them like 14 hours across, um, across uh, from Portugal so over to cool. Spain. It was that's like, right. a, it was amazing. like nuts. And they were, yeah, they definitely, yeah, I mean, they were screaming like they had been on a bus for 14 hours. Like it was really, they're, yeah. they're making and, and they had at that event, they had, I think they still finished last, but they or I can't I can't remember. They got like one upset had, win or something. Yeah, they got yeah. one upset win and then like a few really close ones against Nip and C Nine or you know it was cool. I, we need we need like we were referencing earlier. We need more teams that because um, the talent pool is so so broad. We need more teams to have a spotlight. And I think that's just again going back to what the Pinnacle Cup is trying to provide. We we know the phase, the Navi's, Astralis. We know that they're going to get their day in the in the sun and um, you know get lots of glory. But giving opportunities and legitimate prize money um, for these teams uh, is is so good. And and in in lulls in the calendar too, when there isn't a you know a, a major million dollar event going on. I think that's was kind of approaching a wrap. Because everybody, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a short while to bring you the next installment of Chelsea the Champion. A very cool cut podcast. For now, though, if you have any questions for me or any of my co-hosts, you can head over to our Twitter at Pinnacle Esports and drop us a message, or we'll make sure that we can answer as many as possible for the next podcast. Of course, once again, thank you so much for watching. I've been Kramer Free. I've been joined by Adam and Launders, both of which have been absolutely amazing. I will see you all in the next one. Bye bye.